Welcome in to episode four of the Woo Pig Weekly Podcast, your weekly source for all things Arkansas Razorbacks. So we'll kick off the podcast here with some college football news where it feels great to say Arkansas beat Ole Miss this previous weekend, 42-27. to It was a great bounce-back win after dropping a few games to Liberty and LSU the previous weekends. And so to see Arkansas come out and just be almost a whole different team was very nice to see. Arkansas had 503 yards of total offense this game with 168 passing and 335 rushing yards. K.J. was back, and you could tell that this was a healthy K.J. Jefferson. He went 17 of 22 for 168 yards and three touchdowns. He also added eight carries for 47 yards, where he averaged 5.69 yards per carry. And then we can't talk about this game without talking about running back Rocket Sanders, who had 24 carries for 232 yards, averaging 9.7 yards per carry and three total touchdowns. And he also added in five receptions for 29 yards. A.J. Green also had five carries for 16 yards and 3.2 yards per carry. And Rashad Dominion had six carries for 40 yards, averaging 6.7 yards per carry. Matt Landers on the receiving part of the game had three receptions for 38 yards and two touchdowns. Jaden Hazelwood had three receptions for 36 yards. Trey Knox had three receptions for 34 yards. And Keytron Jackson had two receptions for 32 yards and a touchdown. And then if you look at Arkansas and the defensive side of the ball, our defense played well. We used the bend-don't-break mentality for this game defensively. Um, because with an offense like Ole Miss, you knew you don't weren't going to stop them completely, but we had to do enough to help have success. So defensively, Drew Sanders had 10 tackles, four solo tackles, half of a tackle for a loss, and one interception. Dwight McLaughlin had eight tackles with six solo tackles. Quincy McAdoo had seven tackles, six solo, one sack, and one tackle for loss. We only allowed Ole Miss to have 703 total yards and caused three turnovers with the one pick by Drew Sanders and a couple of other turnovers that they had. Rocket Sanders, after this game, was named Co-Offensive Player of the Week. Drew Sanders was the Defensive Player of the Week. And Ricky Stromberg was the Co-Offensive Lineman of the Week. So if you look at it, this was Arkansas's really first complete game that they've played all year. You know, we've had games where our offensive offense has been good. We've had games where our defense has been good. But this is the first game we've really put those both together. And I think if Arkansas could have played games like this all year long, we definitely would have had a different outlook on where the season would be ending instead of just just becoming bowl eligible and looking at, most likely a lower tier bowl. I think there probably would have been some wins that we would have definitely had, especially over Texas A&M. Uh, we wouldn't have lost Liberty in it. I think we probably would have beat LSU as well. But that's something that, again, you look at hindsight and say, if we could have done this. But I still think, you know, we've got one more game left in the season where if we can continue what we did on Saturday into this coming game with Missouri, I think we'll have a lot of success. 
I will note on you know the awards our players get between Rocket and Ricky Stromberg. I think the SEC needs to cut out with this co-offensive player and co-offensive lineman. I think it needs to be given to one person, and I think Rocket Sanders showed that he earned that. I know that is a tough decision to have to choose between him and Spencer Rattler, who helped lead South Carolina to a big win. But overall, this was a great game by Arkansas. You know, our you can clearly see how well our offense runs with a healthy K.J. Jefferson back behind center commanding the offense. So um, I'm excited to see what we'll do against Missouri at the end of this week. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later on the podcast as we preview the Missouri versus Arkansas matchup on Black Friday after Thanksgiving. So we'll take a quick look at some other scores around the SEC last week. So Georgia beat Kentucky 16-6. Alabama had a non-conference matchup with Austin PV where they won 34-0. Vanderbilt beat Florida 31-24. So Vanderbilt's on a roll after getting their that win last week and then now carrying over some momentum and beating Florida. Mississippi State had a non-conference matchup where they beat East Tennessee State 56-7. LSU had their non-conference matchup where they beat UAB 41-10. A&M beat UMass in another non-conference matchup 20-3. Auburn beat Kentucky, Western Kentucky 41-17. And Missouri beat New Mexico State 45-14. And I think the biggest game that nobody would have seen coming in the SEC this week was South Carolina upsetting Tennessee 63-38. I know that's a hard to believe, and I know we want to give well wishes to uh, Tennessee's quarterback, Ken Hooker, who ultimately torn his ACL during that game. Um, and we hope the best for him and hope that his recovery goes well. So now we'll jump into our week recap for other Arkansas sports. So we left off last week talking about Arkansas men's basketball playing South Dakota State. So Arkansas ended up beating South Dakota State 71-56, to where Ricky Council led the team in scoring with 19 points, followed by Devo Davis and Trevin Brazil with 13 points each, and Jordan Walsh with 10 points. Trevin Brazil led the team in rebounding with 10, followed by Jalen Graham with 6 and Anthony Black with 5. The team shot 45.9% from the field, 31.8% from three-point range, where they went 7 of 22, and 53.3% from the free throw line. The defense forced 20 turnovers, had four blocked shots, and 14 steals. So I think this the South Dakota State was a good test of an experienced team that the Arkansas basketball squad got to go up against before they made the trip to Maui, and we'll have some more coverage on that here a little bit later on this podcast. But this was a good win over South Dakota State where our team – continues to gel and develop as the season goes along. And it was a good win for this Arkansas team. We'll move on where our Arkansas women's volleyball team won the match versus Missouri 3-0 on November 16th. And then on November 17th, our Arkansas women's basketball team played Kent State where they end up winning 80-59. Samara Spencer led the team in scoring with 22 points. You had Aaron Barnum following with 20 points, and Chrissy Carr with 12. 
Samara Spencer also led the team in rebounding with seven, followed by Aaron Barnum and Sailor Poffenbarger with seven. The team shot a total of 45.5% from the field, 37.5% from three-point range, and 68.8% from the free-throw line, where the women's team just continued their winning streak and is looking like they have the chance to be a pretty good team this year um, and hopefully can make a run in the SEC and the NCAA tournament later on come March of next year. And then we look at our Arkansas women's soccer versus Ohio State, where this is a big matchup with Arkansas coming in and looking to make it to another Sweet 16 appearance. Um, Arkansas ended up winning this match 5-2, to two, where this Arkansas team is playing really well and in a really good spot right now with postseason play. The first goal in this game was by Bay Franklin. Our second goal was Anna Bodegil, a third goal by Bay Franklin for her second. Our, the fourth goal was by Jessica DiFilippo, and the fifth goal was by Ava Tinkersley. So with this win, Arkansas advanced to two that third round versus Memphis, on which they play played November 20th. And we'll get to that in just a minute. Arkansas women's volleyball versus Alabama won the match 3-0 on November 19th. And then we look at our Arkansas women's basketball, where they played University of Arkansas Little Rock on November 20th as well. Arkansas ended up winning that game 93-49, where Chrissy Carr led all scores with 22 points, followed by Aaron Barnum with 15, and Michaela Daniels with 12. Aaron Barner, Barnum and Sailor Poffenbarger led the team in rebounding with 9, followed by Samara Spencer with 7. The team this game shot 62.5% from the field, 52.6% from three-point range, going 10 of 19, and 76.7% from the free-throw line, going 23 of 30. In this, this Arkansas women's basketball defense forced 16 turnovers in the game. And so, overall, again, they're rolling right now and in a good spot before they head to take on another matchup later on in the week as we were recording this on Tuesday the 22nd. They'll be playing um, Thanksgiving Day, and we'll get into that matchup here in a little bit. Arkansas women's volleyball played Alabama in a second match on the 20th and won that match 3-0. to And then Arkansas women's soccer played Memphis in the Sweet 16 on November 20th, so just two days later from their win over Ohio State, they came out and played Memphis again here at Arkansas where we had the home field advantage. Arkansas ended up winning this game 3-3, three to three, going 3-2 three of two on penalty kicks for the win. Jessica DiFilippo scored the first two goals of the for Arkansas during this game, and then Zoe Susie came in with the third goal. So with this win, Arkansas advances to the their second back-to-back Elite Eight where they will go play Florida State in Tallahassee on November 26th. So that Florida State is the number one seed, so it'll be a big test for this Hog soccer team to see how they'll fare against you know a number one seeded team. Um, but I have confidence in the Hogs, and they're playing really good right now, and they're in a good spot, so I, I think we have a chance to see some success there. On that note, Jessica Filippo was named the National Player of the Week this, this week, and I believe this is her second one of the season. 
So it, it shows you what kind of talent there is there on this team. And then we'll move on to our, our Arkansas men's basketball team playing versus Louisville in the Maui Jim Maui Invitational, where they played on November 21st, and they won 80-54. to This game was just all Arkansas in the second half, where Anthony Black led the team in scoring with 26 points, followed by Ricky Council with 15, and Mikael Mitchell with 12. Makai Mitchell and Mikael Mitchell both tied for the leading rebounding with six, followed by Anthony Black and Ricky Council with both having three. The team shot 56.9% from the field, 36.4% from three-point range, and 73.7% from the free-throw line. The star of this game has to be Anthony Black, where he scored 26 points. He went 9 of 11 from the field, 3 of 5 from the three-point range, and 5 of 5 from the free-throw line. He also added in three rebounds, six assists, and two steals. A lot of people... After watching this game, dubbed this game where it was just Dunk City for Arkansas. Um, at one point, five of the last seven field goals that we attempted was just dunk after dunk after dunk. So that shows you what, just how athletic and what kind of team you're getting with this Arkansas team this year that can come out and be very extreme, very athletic and extremely offensively based where they can get above the rim, but they can also get after you on defense as well. So after beating Louisville 80 to 54 on November 21st, they came back today or the 22nd to play Creighton where Arkansas ended up falling to Creighton 90 to 87. The leading scorer for this game was Anthony Black for a second night in a row with 26 points, followed by Ricky Council with 24 points, and Trevor Brazil with 17. The leading rebounder for this game was Anthony Black with 6, followed by Brazil with 6 as well. The star of this game would have to be Anthony Black as well, where he came to play again and kind of carried the hogs. This was a very tough game for Arkansas as it was against number 10 team, ranked team in Creighton who is ranked just below Arkansas at where we were at nine. But this was a very hard-fought game, and we'll get more into that later as we have a guest in the Hoop Southbound podcast and how we'll have some rapid reactions as we recorded this on Tuesday the 22nd, right after the game happened. So, But for this game, Anthony Black had 26 points. He went 10 of 18 from the field one of three from the three-point line, and five of seven from the free-throw line. And he also added in six rebounds, six assists, and two steals. So he carried this team, and it's like the announcer said numerous times, this was an Arkansas team taking this Creighton team to the limit without Nick Smith Jr. playing. So once he gets back, I think all of Arkansas is going to be excited to see offensively what this team is able to do going forward. Next, we'll move on to some upcoming events that we have coming up the rest of this week. So our Arkansas men's basketball team will play on November 23rd. They'll play the loser of the Arizona-San Diego State game for third place in the Maui Invitational Tournament. And then we have our women's basketball team having a matchup on Thanksgiving Day with Northern Arizona. 
And then the day after Thanksgiving, Arkansas women's volleyball will have a match versus Auburn. And then, like I mentioned earlier, our women's soccer team will have an Elite Eight matchup with Florida State on November 26th down in Tallahassee, Florida. So we'll wrap that up with our upcoming events, and we'll um, get ready to move into our preview of the Arkansas versus Missouri game coming up this weekend. All right, now we'll move into our preview of Arkansas versus Missouri this coming weekend on November 25th at 1.30 p.m. So Missouri comes into this game with a 5-6 and six record where they are still looking to get bowl eligible. They beat New Mexico State last week, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast. And the spread for this game starts out at Arkansas favored by three. Missouri comes in averaging 25.2 points per game and allowing 24.8 points per game. This is a Missouri team that averages 362.1 yards a game with 209.7 passing, 152.4 rushing. They allow an average of 338.5 yards per game with 209.7 of that being passing and 128.7 being rushing. I think this is a game where hopefully we can carry over our momentum we had from our win over Ole Miss where Arkansas looked like I think everybody thought they would this entire season. We came out and we just dominated on the offensive side of the ball where we was able to get Rocket going and let him run the ball. But also you see the first three touchdowns of the game were passing touchdowns by KJ, with two of them going to Matt Landers and one to Keytron Jackson, who I'm glad we're getting to see more of, especially after Warren Thompson deciding to leave the team. Um, that was his choice. So, you know, we'll move on to next man up. And I think a good young receiver in Keytron Jackson is getting more opportunities that will let him be able to show what he can do to this coaching staff. When you talk about Missouri, so key players to watch for them, their quarterback, Brady Cook. Throughout the season, he has 2,263 passing yards with 11 TDs and seven interceptions. Rushing-wise, He's had 170 carries for 409 yards, averaging 3.8 yards per carry. So not a super threat as far as him getting out of the pocket and running, but that's still something we'll want to be able to look at and watch for. And then when you look at his passing, he completes 65.5% of his passes, averaging 7.2 yards per attempt. So he can toss the ball around a little bit, but he also can throw a few interceptions if you get after him, you know, as we talked about with that touchdown-interception ratio of him having 11 total touchdowns this season compared to his seven interceptions. And then when you look at their running back, Cody Schrader, he has 139 carries on the season for 604 yards, averaging 4.3 yards per carry and seven touchdowns. So, again, we'll just have to stop the run, you know, like we've been decent at this season with Drew Sanders and our front seven with our defensive line and that linebacker core being our strong point to the defense this season. And then receiving-wise, you have to look at wide receiver Dominic Lovett. He has 50 receptions on the season for 716 yards and three TDs. He's one of their most dependable receivers that Brady Cooks likes to throw to. 
Um, he's a, he's their dependable guy that I think he likes to convert with him on third down. So that's something we'll have to look at defensively, defensively and defending on the passing game. One note to take from uh, Pittman's presser after the game, and I believe he talked more about it on his presser yesterday, Arkansas could possibly be without bumper pool for this matchup, and it could be possible that we saw bumper pool play his last game in a Razorback uniform after his senior night against Ole Miss. He's just been dealing with a ton of injuries this season and playing through those with a, a hip injury, I believe a back injury, and you know just showing his dedication to this team and why he came back. I know Pittman had an emotional talk with him on senior night, so that, that that's something I think to give you a sign that you know he may not play another down for the Razorbacks. But if he doesn't, what a career he's had! You know he leads the Arkansas all-time tackle record, which he came back and achieved that this year during our BYU game. And then just being such a cornerstone and dependable guy on defense, you know, playing through injuries, you know, putting the team before himself, being very unselfish. And so, you know, thanks so much, Bumper Pool, for what you did for this team, for your career here at Arkansas. We appreciate everything you do. And then building on that, I think Arkansas, like I mentioned at you know at the top of this segment, Arkansas needs to build on that momentum from last week. We need to keep our foot on the gas. You know, we got a good win versus Ole Miss. Let's use that to fuel this win this week and stick to what we know what we're doing with KJ back. You know, run the ball. You know, we put up a lot of rushing yards versus Ole Miss, where Rocket got back to doing you know, his typical thing where, you know, he's one of the top backs in the country, which is surprising since he was left left off the Doak Walker Award semifinalist list that came out this week, which goes is an award that goes to the nation's top running back. So to see him lift off, left off that list, I think that might have a little chip on his shoulder that um, he'll play even harder and then come back and play harder next year. So that's something that, you know, to take some positive out of that. And then I think per Sam Pittman, we could see more from more playing time from wide receiver Isaiah Santanega from uh, Fayetteville. He was a, a big receiver that, you know, for the longest time, I believe, was committed to other schools, but then flipped to Arkansas right before signing day and a kid that wanted to stay home and play for the Razorbacks. And I know. Pittman said he's been dealing with injuries throughout the season, so hopefully he's healthy enough and you know can get him in the game plan to see what he can do and maybe get a glimpse of you know what will be in for wide receiver wise next year. So that's a big part of coming in. You know, with this last game of the season, we will have to watch out for Missouri. I, I think we we don't need to take them lightly because you know they are fighting for bowl eligibility with this game. You know, they are have a five and six record. You know, they need that sixth win to become bowl eligible. So, you know, we're what's what stand in their way. And, you know, they can – will probably play very hard to hopefully win the game and become bowl eligible. But, you know, our, hopefully Arkansas can shut that down and, you know, come out with a win themselves to help finish the season strong with, you know, seven, seven wins on the season. I know as an Arkansas fan, we probably expected higher – 
expectations and more wins than seven, but you, it's hard to account for injuries throughout the season and with what we've had to deal with defensively and, you know, the struggles with injury. You know, that's always a mystery that you never know what's going to strike, but at some point it will, and how hard it will strike is to it is variable for team to team. So I think that's one thing that we'll have to just build off the ending success of the season as we go into next week. Um, next week will be a big week because that's when December 5th is whenever the portal will be officially open for guys to transfer in and or transfer out and for us to start looking at guys that we want to bring in for next year. And also that'll be a big time for seniors to decide whether they want to come back for another year um, due to some COVID eligibility and other eligibility they have left. And so we'll see what happens for Arkansas and who we get back. I know there's some potential of, um, I saw on Twitter, um, potentially our senior center, Ricky Stromberg, coming back for another year and running it back, which that would be amazing to have that veteran presence on an Arkansas line next season. And I I believe the potential of Luke Jones and their in-state kid coming back and running it back for another super senior year of Arkansas football and hopefully – could lead us to some more success. But when you look at it from a perspective of what does their pro career look like? Do they have a good chance of being drafted high to a team where they, you know, can have a good NFL career or are they going to be, you know, something that they just want to come back and play another year of college ball? I know Ricky Stromberg is one of the top centers in the country. So I think, you know, especially a Sam Pittman guy, he produces – several NFL offensive linemen that have success. I mean, look at you guys in the league now. You know, you got Frank Ragnow, several other offensive linemen that played for him, whether when he was at Arkansas under Brett Bielema or from his Georgia days when he sent several guys from there to the league and that are playing and having success right now. So that's something we'll just have to look at, but – I, I do will reiterate, I think we don't need to overlook Missouri this week. It could be a game that could catch us off guard if we try to overlook them and see that, you know, we're bowl eligible. We can't be satisfied with that. And I think I think Sam Pittman will have this team ready to go and finish out the season strong and then await to see where we'll land bowl-wise. Bowl um, I know there's been several rumors about that, you know, we could have a matchup in, with the – in the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville versus Notre Dame. That's one matchup that's been predicted, which is quite interesting to see would be us going up against a storied program like that. Another option they somebody has predicted is Arkansas playing in the Texas Bowl down in Houston, playing in the Texan Stadium where we would face Oklahoma. I know a few years ago we played in the Texas Bowl and we actually played Texas. So that's a good bowl game for Arkansas fans to be able to travel to. It's driving distance. Um, and that's a big game with a future you know, team that is going to be uh, coming into the SEC at some point. So that'll give us a good idea of you know what matchups will look like down in the future, down the road. But 
And then I see, I believe another interesting matchup somebody had Arkansas with was going to, I believe it was either the Liberty or Music City Bowl playing Illinois. If you don't uh, get that off the top of your head, it's where Coach Brett Bielema is coaching right now. So that would be an interesting matchup for the Hogs. You know, the Hogs playing a former coach that, you know, didn't have the smoothest of exits when, you know, he was ultimately let go. But on the flip side of that, you know, an Arkansas team where Coach Sam Pittman coached under Brett Bielema and had some issues there before he left and went to Georgia. So, you know, that could be a very interesting matchup to see if that actually happens. So it'll be a wait and see game. Let's get, let's focus on this. We get the win over Missouri and then we'll get ready to see where we land bowl game wise. So yeah, let's hopefully with Thanksgiving week, the hogs will feast on the, the Missouri Tigers and have a good, game and get the win this week to go to seven wins on the season. So coming up in our next segment of this podcast, we're going to be welcoming to our podcast as a guest this week, David from Hoops Southbound, where we're going to talk some Arkansas basketball, get a quick rapid reaction after the Creighton game as we recorded this after the game that was played tonight. So, all right, well, welcome to the Woopig Weekly Podcast. The David from Hoops Southbound this week to talk some Arkansas basketball. So welcome in, David. Hey, yeah, thank you for having me today. Yeah, so we'll get right into it, a rapid reaction. I know we're recording this Tuesday night, so we just both finished watching the Arkansas versus Creighton game in the Maui Invitational. So we'll start with some rapid reactions from this game. Yeah, so for sure, uh, anybody who missed this game, um, for us on the – Hoop southbound side, we had this marked as our game of the day when we saw the lineup here. Um, this, if you missed this game, you missed the show of November. This was the best game that has been played so far in the month of November. I don't care if you're a Razorback fan or a fan of someone else. Obviously, on this podcast, you're a Razorback fan, so you definitely want to hear that. But in general, amazing, amazing game. Uh, you got two teams that were lighting the floor up. Um, you had Arkansas shooting 47%, Creighton shooting amazing at 58%. So if you like offense, it was a great game for that perspective. Deep ball working for both teams, 40% for Arkansas, 50% for Creighton. Jesus, amazing game. <laughs> yeah, I'll agree. I, I think this game definitely showed a lot of growth for Arkansas, especially with this being the first real test they had. I know we had South Dakota State at home, but that didn't – seem as much of a test as a lot of people thought it might be coming into this game. I think it showed how we might respond to some adversity over the season. You know, even though we got down, you know, 10 plus at one point, you know, we fought back to it being a three point game at the end. Absolutely. And like multiple times, Arkansas caught themselves in this game in a situation where a more experienced Creighton team could have taken over this game. The thing that I was the most astonished by in that second half, when it turned on for Arkansas and they were playing at a high level aggressive defense, the foul total that racked up for the team total, you have the two technicals and then the players picking up some fouls along the way that put Creighton early into a double bonus situation. They had to ch adapt with this game and change the way that they were playing defense. And whether you, you know, agree with the text, the fouls, whatever, when they made that ad adaptation, they adjusted to the game. They didn't give up as many fouls toward the end. 
and they still were able to push this game all the way to the end. And they had a look at the end to tie this thing up. Unfortunately, Ricky and Devo couldn't make those shots, but it it was a game where Arkansas showed that they can play end to end with a final four contender. Like Creighton is right now the contender to win the big East. So I think it says a lot for Arkansas to take a P seven school as far as they did tonight on a neutral floor. Agreed. Yeah. I, I'll say too, I know from what I've seen in last night's game versus Louisville in this game versus Creighton, Anthony black, I think has finally came out of his shell. So from the first few games of the season, I felt like he might've been a little timid and not wanting to drive and maybe go offensively as much as, you know, we know what he can do, but, I think last night he kind of broke out of that and kind of just took over the game like we know how he can. Yeah, no, and one of the more interesting things with Anthony Black, everyone was hyped up on Nick Smith Jr. at the beginning of the year. Everyone's still hyped up on Nick Smith Jr. We can't wait to watch him get on the floor. But Anthony Black was being hyped up by uh, Eric Musselman to some journalists, um, one particular Matt Norlander who was talking about it on his podcast on Ion College Basketball, must told him that he was – that he liked Anthony Black a lot. Uh, and we're finally seeing what Eric Musselman saw in this kid. Anthony Black is the steal of this recruiting class, him coming in last minute. And you just see all that value that he brings to this team. He is a true point guard who can play the floor at speed. The thing that impresses me the most about Anthony Black's play is when I watch him, he plays like Luka Doncic. He plays at his own tempo on the court but he also plays like Luca, but with more gas, and he can just press the pedal whenever he needs to find that go. We saw it when he missed that shot, and he grabbed his own rebound, turned around on the bunny hop, and just put it right back in. Uh, he's got go. He's got the ability to steal the ball, play the ball, shoot the ball. Everything is there. He is an absolute NBA lottery pick. For sure. And I, I'll say, you know, I think one of the most surprising things to me is just to see – what amazing flow and control he has at his size to be a point guard with him being six, seven, you know, that's not heard of too much with point guards being that size. But I mean, you look at his stats and like how he's able to make those pro level passes already as a freshman, you know, definitely, you know, tonight, you know, he came out and had 26 points, six rebounds, six assists and those two steals, but just putting the team on his back when we needed it. And it's like the announcer said all game long, you know, we're doing this right now without Nick Smith. What is our offense going to look like when he is playing? Yeah, I think it's going to be something uh, spectacular. It really is because you're talking about a guard line that can consist with Nick Smith is back. And I'll get to Anthony Black in a second, but you asked that question. So I just want to tap on it a little bit. You have a guard line that's interchangeable at that point. You have Anthony Black out there and then you have Nick Smith and then you have Devo who can be interchanged with Jordan Walsh at any time. Jordan Walsh, I think might end up being the better offensive player. He's very raw right now. Um, but as the season goes on, he is going to progress. Devo Davis had a rough night tonight at certain times, but there is no doubt that he is an aggressive defensive player out there, and he is a born harasser um, when he plays floor to floor. And you you saw it against L. Ellis uh, in the Louisville game. You saw it again tonight. He does not let players get a chance. He he doesn't let the opposing team get a chance to breathe when he is on the defensive end of the ball. Uh, so you have a lot of great interchangeable pieces for that moment on the guard line whenever you need it. And then you're exactly right. Anthony Black's ability to pass. I mean, we're going to be watching posters all season long um, popping up on the Razorback social media page with 
Anthony Black just serving up dishes straight to Trevin Brazil or Ricky Council or whoever because he is finding those assist plays out there. And then let's talk about the other side of this. Eric Musselman trusts a freshman. Normally, Eric Musselman is the dude out there who just loves veteran guard leadership. That has, That's why he is so committed to the transfer portal. But tonight, he gave Anthony Black 38 minutes on the court. And, extound, you know, if that doesn't spell trust into a freshman, I don't know what will. And then he, they end up tra- drawing up the three-point play to try to send it into overtime. Where are we sending the ball? We're sending it to Anthony Black. Uh, he's going to give us the chance, the best chance to shoot that from half court. He's the one we're putting faith into. The kid's got it all. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw someone tweet out, like, we got to figure out a way to get Anthony Black back for another year. And I was like, someone better start calling Walmart and Tyson right now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, like, I'll agree. You know, it seems like this year Devo might be switching more into that Trey, Trey Wade role, as in that's who is going to be your lockdown defender, and that's who Eric Musson is going to be putting on the other team's high scores. And, like you said, you know, Walsh is extremely raw right now. Out of those three freshmen, he could be the one that I could see that maybe comes back another year to fine-tune his game, whereas, you know, unless we get a miracle, Nick Smith and Anthony Black are gone. You know, there's hardly a way I see them both staying next year. I, I agree with you entirely. Uh, when you talk about Layden Blocker coming in, uh, he's going to be the piece next year that's going to be coming in for to uh, to take over for Anthony Black. Uh, at that point guard position. Nick Smith uh, right now regarded as the number one college um, NBA prospect. Um, The first NBA mock draft that me and Maddie looked at from Global Scouting um, actually currently has Jordan Walsh sitting in the first round of the NBA draft. Now, currently he was, the this first mock draft, I I said like, yeah, there's some stuff that's going to change in here. It's not exactly perfect yet by any means. And what can you expect week one of college basketball when it came out? Um, But like, where Jordan Walsh is sitting right now, he's kind of on that borderline between that first and second round. And yeah, that might be the ultimate determining factor if he comes back or not for another year, because he's definitely got the raw talent for a first year for a, uh, for a first round pick. The question is, is he going to be there in the NBA's eyes? And like a lot of that has to do with, is based on potential uh, and when they're looking at those guards and forward positions, but overall Arkansas has to be really high on him. And I think that he had, much like Devo Davis in year one under Muss, I think Jordan Walsh is going to be that player we watch continue to grow throughout the year. Because um, Devo didn't get a lot of minutes when he first got to Arkansas. Uh, it was Moses, Moses Moody was the star freshman, and Moses Moody, rightfully so, was the star freshman. But at the end of the day, at the end of the season, Devo Davis is out there as a regular contributor on the, on the floor, and I think that's exactly what we're going to watch Jordan Walsh become toward the end of this uh, and toward the end of the season. Um, for Devo, as you mentioned, uh, outstanding defensive play tonight. Uh, three three boards on the defensive end. Um, he also contributed in the assist game, picked up a steal. Y- you don't want him to pick up that tech that he got. Um, I know the intentional foul is gone now, and the technical fouls are going to be a hotbed topic in this game uh, when you talk about the way that Creighton shot from the free throw line tonight. Um, those techs were worth two fouls tonight, the one that was on Devo, two, two, two free throws. And then two free throws for the mystery one that was on the bench, which I'll have to go check out the press conference later to see what the heck actually happened. Uh, from my understanding, I think Argyle said something. And I don't know if it was that Musk was ear in the ref and then like something he said compounded it. I don't know. But overall, we'll, we'll see where that goes. <laughs> yeah, I, I was interested to see or we'll be interested to see what comes from that, because I think I was as much confused as almost everybody. But, you know. 
and talking about those texts and everything, you know, I'm one of those people that I hardly ever have complaints about a ref or anything like that. But this game just seemed a little lopsided to me just as an Arkansas fan. It was rough. Oh, I was going to say, Eric Musselman said something to the effect of he had never seen a game this lopsided in fouls, and he's coached college basketball for a while. So I don't think it was just Razorback fans tonight. And I think the refs very timely, and I don't mean that they did this intentionally. I'm not saying that. But, like, I think very timely, the ref show took over at the worst possible time when Arkansas, if those, if those, if those two technical fouls don't happen in this game, Arkansas may have won this game by 10 points tonight. And that's without Nick Smith. So, like, that's that's where the fa- how much of the fouls I think impacted the game tonight. Yeah, and it's like you said, you know, I I don't know how many times I heard the refs to, or not the refs, but the announcers tonight say, "Look at this Arkansas team without Nick Smith." Like the number of times that they had that phrase of saying, "Oh, something about Nick Smith not playing" was incredible because it was easily at least five or six times or more. But yeah, so. It'll be interesting to see this team continue to develop because I think we're seeing now how much more they're able – they've gelled together since game one and how much, like, even after game one, you know, Walsh fouled out that game. He had five points and fouled out. To now he's contributing minutes and not getting in terrible foul trouble. So that just shows, you know, that growth he's had in just two or three games. And I know I, I listened to your podcast earlier this week, and I know we meant, you mentioned how, if all possible, Arizona is not a team we want to see. So what were your thoughts on that? So, yeah, my my biggest thought is going to be the rebound game uh, when it comes to facing an Arizona team. Um, so if you actually look at the uh, stats tonight, Creighton ended up winning the rebound differential by plus four on the boards tonight. And that's going to be something that Arkansas wants to fix, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the glass. There, Creighton was plus nine. Now, when you're facing an Arizona team that's as big as this Arizona team is, like I said, there's multiple seven-footers on this Arizona team. So when you're facing that kind of size, Arkansas is not small. I should mention that. This is not the earlier Eric Musselman team, but you're still not that big. Uh, And you don't necessarily want to be that big for the style of play you have. I think what Arkansas wants to do is make a game against Arizona straight up havoc hog ball. Um, Because what we're seeing from Arkansas is that this is a team, since they are so young, they have a ton of energy. And then they also just traditionally like Arkansas throughout the years, dating all the way back to Nolan Richardson, Arkansas loves to play fast. It's the NBA style of playing fast. And it's the Nolan Richardson 40 minutes of hell style coming all out at once. And I think that's kind of what Eric Musselman has under its controlled chaos. And I think if you speed a team up that 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 wants to play slower than you, that's where your advantage is going to be. Start spread, start pushing the ball down the floor. I think that's Arkansas's best opportunity in this game. But they're going to have to fight on the defensive boards and they're going to have to get a couple of offensive boards. And that honestly, though, is something that Arkansas was really good at tonight. They were plus five in the rebound differential against Creighton on the offensive board. So they need to continue that trend. Yeah, and I like how you you, you phrase that with the controlled chaos. I think against an, a big Arizona team like you're talking about that likes to slow it down a little bit. And, you know, generally speaking, you know, your bigger guys, especially the guys that are, you know, seven footers, you know, they don't move as well as, you know, your quick guard. So I think that's going where we're going to have the opportunity to have guys like Ricky Council and Anthony Black to drive the ball and maybe get them 
out of their defensive set and draw the fouls on them. Absolutely. And then the other side of this, Arizona's defense is not as strong as we necessarily think it is. Uh, They actually are second worst in the Pac-12 right now on their defensive rating, uh, and they sit at a 99.4. The lower that number is, the better it is for your team. That's something closer to what Mizzou puts up. And Mizzou, in my opinion, is one of the worst defenses in the SEC. All they have is offense, and we'll see how that travels this season for them. Um, But, like, for Arizona, like, that's a very similar defensive – defensive rating so i think arkansas if they can push this game and take advantage of those points per possession that that's based off of i think arkansas's goal is to make this game as high scoring as they possibly can or at least to stretch the lead out to a point where arizona can't get caught back up right yeah so we'll just have to see you know i know right now looking at it with about four minutes left in the first half arizona's up 31 to 17 so it'll be interesting to see what the final score looks like and who will be, end up being end up getting to play. But then on the flip side of that, if we get matched up with San Diego State, that'll be interesting to see because I know that's where Musk did his college at and also, you know, where he has ties to. So uh, that'll be interesting to see if we draw that matchup, how that pans out. Uh, absolutely. Um, there's no one knows you like your best friend, right? Um, so like, yeah, no, seeing San Diego State on the uh, potential losers bracket may not be the game that Arkansas necessarily wants. The two teams that Ben and I were kind of talking about on my on my show both ended up like potential Arkansas opponents. So which makes sense. Those are the those were the two better teams on that side of the bracket. Uh, but yeah. Uh, San Diego's coach has San Diego State's coach has seen Musk several times over the year back when uh, Musk used to coach at Nevada. So they're very familiar with each other. I believe he has the um, has the winning record currently um, in their ongoing coaching battle. But I think Eric Musselman has the better team in the Hogs right now. Uh, and part of that is going to be the rebound differential. Once again, I, I think Arkansas is probably a little bit better team on the glass. Um, now, this is a San Diego State team that shoots extremely well. Uh, they shoot around 48.5% from the floor. Uh, those are solid numbers. Um, now, the good news for Arkansas is I don't think San Diego State, despite the ability that they had to shoot, are going to put up the same numbers that Creighton did tonight. Uh, I think Muss is going to correct that situation as quickly as possible uh, this evening and going into tomorrow morning. Um, so I, I think we'll see a little bit closer numbers down to earth as far as that goes. Um, but this is also a team that passes the ball well, and they love to turn you over 10 steals per game from San Diego State. I was about to say, yeah, I think that was one of the things that surprised me a little bit at the start of this game with Creighton was how many threes they were coming off and hitting, because I know that's one thing must emphasizes is, you know, defending the three to come out and see them, you know, have success at, you know, shooting the three point. Cause I know they were 50% and shot seven to 14, you know, it was insane. Yeah. It was absolutely insane. Uh, I've not seen must allow that many threes to happen. Uh, Creighton was on something tonight, but they were also running some great plays out there. There were some beautiful high level um, screens that were occurring between the elbow and the, and the high post out there that were setting up their three point shots. Creighton was also passing the ball into those high percentage three point areas across the arc. Um, so they were making some really smart plays. That is a team that is proficient at taking three pointers. And so it's calculated into their game plan. Now, still those numbers are extremely high. Those are numbers that you don't really even see that often out of NBA teams. Um, So like that's still a staggering number. And that's one of those things that you need to 
fix the defense and get your closeout game uh, as best as possible. And that was kind of the thing that I was looking at with Arkansas tonight is that that man-to-man defense, they just weren't there getting those closeouts like you want to see them. But again, that's a team that runs a lot of plays set up for three-pointers. And that's what makes that a little bit more complicated than what you're going to see out of a standard good three-point shooting team. Yeah, and I know looking at the stats, you know, Showerman, who had half of those threes, is, you know, one guy that, you know, Arkansas even must went after him. You know, clearly we understand why. But, you know, I absolutely think that's one of those guys that going forward, you're going to have to look at. And that may be one of those guys, depending on the matchup, you stick Devo on to kind of have him locked down defensively. Uh, uh, yeah, for sure. Tonight, though, when you look at Creighton's minutes, they had to do it with their starters. So that's one of the things coming into this game that they had to force that upon when Nimhard. Uh, and uh, Schallmeyer were out there. Those were the guys that were primarily in the game. Now we'll see how those numbers compare with San Diego State tonight, and we're going to see who's a little bit more worn out um, for that, uh, or San Diego, or Arizona. It could be Arizona. Um, I got a feeling Arizona is going to win this tournament, but for what I what I see right now, we'll see who's the more worn out team. And I got a feeling the Arizona San Diego State game is going to be also very heavily starter focused, and we're going to see a little bit more of a depth game. Uh, tomorrow night. Now, that's not necessarily Muss's style, but he might go 10 deep tomorrow night. I was about to say, yeah, because we didn't see hardly much bench play from Muss tonight. I know he played two off the bench, and that was it, with that being Brazil and uh, the other Mitchell twin. That that was the only two substitutions besides right there at the end when uh, we brought Pinion in for potential setting him up for a three-point shot to tie it or push the game to overtime. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Makai Mitchell would have gotten more minutes tonight if he didn't get into early foul trouble like he did. Um, we would have saw more minutes given to him, and maybe that would have changed up the way that Musk wanted to work that rotation. But I think what that ultimately did was pass minutes down to Mikel and then Trevin Brazil, obviously 32 minutes tonight. And that's that's a that's quite a bit of time on the floor, and he was contributing quite a bit. And I think he was one of the elements that were giving Arkansas their best chance to win. I was going to say, that's one part of, you know, with Brazil in the game, you know, with him being such a athletic forward, but also him having the touch, he went three of five on uh, our three-point game tonight. You know, he had three of our eight that we made. So, you know, see him come in and have success there, you know, that's another facet of our game that, you know, we can spread the defense out and give open lanes or let him take that three. Yeah, the ability to run something like that, similar to that Princeton-style offense where those centers get out there and they find those three-point shots, it's definitely that Perzingis unicorn style that uh, the Knicks wanted out of Perzingis uh, a couple of years ago. But the thing is, is that he also has a lot of physical strength, which we've clearly seen. Um, I think the whole world has seen his physical strength at this point when he goes to the rim. Um, and that's what he also gives you. So you have someone who can get out there and play big man and then can also be highly proficient from the three-point line. I, you know, it's that unicorn play that's so hard to find. And it, at times it can be unguardable. It, it can be absolutely unguardable, and that's a game wrecker. Um, so I definitely think Trevin Brazil, not only throughout the rest of this Maui tournament tomorrow, but throughout the season, is going to be a fantastic contributor. And I know we want to talk about the new age triplets here, the 2020s triplets between Blacksmith and uh, Walsh. But, but uh, Trevin Brazil... Trevor Brazil has got an opportunity to be that fourth NBA draft pick. And I think he's going to be a mid to early second rounder um, when it comes draft time. So that's definitely another talent that you love 
absolutely love being your sixth man. And then you go back and you think about who have Eric Musselman's sixth man been um, when the Hawks were really good. You know, you think about a Dees Tony last year who would either start or come off the bench. And then you've also got J.D. Note in year two. This is this is that sixth man that Eric Musselman absolutely loves. And every good team has one of them. Right. And, you know, I see Brazil as another one of those guys, like we mentioned with Walsh being one of those guys that could be 50-50 on whether he goes or comes back, depending on how his draft stock turns out at the end of the year. But um, with Brazil, I think he's one of those guys that, quite frankly, I think Missouri is going to be kicking themselves all year long for letting him go after seeing what he's done and with them not honestly not being able to use him in the right way last year to get that potential item that Muss is seeing success with now. Oh, for sure. I mean, like, what do you mean? I just kind of mentioned it in passing earlier. You talk talk about we've been talking about his offensive side of the game. Missouri's going to be kicking themselves because of his defensive game as well. There's so much length; it's hard to get to the basket on him. He had three blocks tonight. On, on top of that, he had um, he he had some several great minutes and several great plays that you saw him out there backing defenders down. He's an outstanding defensive talent. Five defensive rebounds tonight from from uh, Brazil. Yeah, no, Mizzou. Mizzou is going to kick themselves. Gates is going to kick himself. Like everyone, everyone in Columbia should be very, very upset by letting this guy go because like, we're happy he's a hog right now. Right. And, you know, like he said, he's, he was in that role player type of role at Missouri to where, like, like we said, he's here and he's having that sixth man or sometimes starting role here where, you know, he's able to highlight his abilities and get more notice from NBA scouts and you know that's what eric Man, eric musselman does for you you know i'm gonna i'm gonna say it and i i this is no disrespect to the man because i love the fact that he came and played for arkansas this is what this is what eric musselman wanted out of connor vanover that's the type this is the type of player he wanted uh trevin brazil is is that brazinga style as i mentioned he's that defensive player that he wanted it is that new age big man that everybody is looking for and yeah this was the still of the class um, or the still the transfer portal, I should say, not the class, but the uh, still the transfer portal, and he has fit incredibly well into the system. Um, it, it you miss Jalen Williams, but like, gosh, if you're going to replace him with somebody, that was a good move. <laughs> yeah, agreed. And like you know, along with him, I think another big get for Arkansas just out of the portal is you know you look at Ricky Council, who you know was our leading scorer for three of the first four games of the season. You know. Like, tremendous steal for bringing him in from Wichita State where he actually, like, I know he mentioned he he knew Trey Wade that came over. So, you know, he probably had a little bit of sway there saying, like, you know, Musselman's a guy that you want to come play for. But I definitely think that was, like, Musk knows what he's doing as far as the transfer portal. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times tonight uh, watching the game, I was just sitting there in front of my TV yelling, Ricky! Yeah, uh, Ricky was, Ricky Council's out there getting it, man. Uh, 40 minutes on the floor tonight. There's a, there's a lot of love, a lot of great play coming from him. Um, he was perfect from the free throw line. He's contributing on the boards. Great passer, great rebounding. Um, and yeah, no, you, we talked about the six man a while ago. While he's not a six man in Arkansas, he was the American Athletic Conference six man of the year for them. This is an outstanding talent for Arkansas, and you got to love it. He's he's like the transfer portal that you – he's a transfer portal gift as well, coming from that Wichita State team. That's got a lot of tradition in basketball as well, so he's a great get. Yeah, and so before we start wrapping up here, we'll talk a little bit about next year's class. You know, we, we mentioned Layden Blocker briefly earlier, and then we got Bayfall coming in as well. 
you know, with the potential returnees of Walsh and Brazil, what, what kind of ideas does that give you about next year's potential roster? Yeah, so we have this conversation with Ben Brandon on my show. Um, yeah, it's it's another class where you're going to be looking for guard talent. If Brazil does come back, which I'm not entirely convinced that he is right now, but the NBA puts kind of some weird value right now onto big men. So it just depends exactly where he would land in those mock drafts and where his agent thinks he's going to end up going. Um, you definitely want that paycheck. Um, you know, so if the, that should happen, and then you're talking about Bayfall, who's an incredibly athletic big, um, Maddie and I were kind of joking that he might be Arkansas's version of Oscar Sheebway because he doesn't look like he's necessarily a one and done five star. He looks more like a Bobby Portis style five star, uh, who's going to spend a year or two here. Um, you know, you're talking about an incredibly big team that Arkansas is going to have next year. So those guards are what Muss is going to be looking for. And he's going to be looking for that veteran leadership again on the floor. That's what Debo Davis contributes to this team right now. Um, and so they're going to be looking for another outstanding senior to come in and take over and run this team um, from a guard position. And then the other side of this whole thing is that you've got all these four stars that like typically in the past uh, before Musk got here are guys that you want to develop with that one five-star you got on your team. Not so much the case this year. What you want to do with these guys is develop, 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 develop uh, through the rest of the season, get them minutes where you can, and then develop them through the off season. So like, we're going to see Joseph Pinion, we're going to see Darian Ford, and we're going to see Barry Dunning out there getting their work in. And they're going to be high level contributors for this team. And over the course of that four year time, they're going to be end up being those senior guards. So like the transfer portal, since Musk said that he was done recruiting out of high school right now, he's going to be looking for that veteran leadership to bridge that time span and to keep the championship window. It was wide open as possible. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with that. You know, I see Ford and Pinion and potentially Dunning me, those guys that are here for two to three years that, like you said, will develop under Musk and potentially be those veteran leaders on the team. Yeah, a lot, lot to be excited about right now in the Ozarks, man. There's there's a lot of good things that are happening on the basketball court. Uh, Eric Musselman's got this team playing at an extremely high level. Uh, right now, I know that CBS Sports has him rated as one of the top 10 coaches in America, and you talk about the names that are on that list with him. You're talking about Mark Few. You're talking about, um, you know, <laughs> Bill Self automatically comes to my brain. You know, like, that, probably the best coach in America right there. He's on the list with those guys, man. And so, like, Arkansas is in a great place. Uh, this is a team that's going to be competing for the SEC every year while he's here. This is the, This is a team that's in a really good place right now, and fans have a lot to be excited about. This if this isn't the year, it's gonna come. Every year it's gonna come. Um, and so like right now, this may be the year that turns Eric Musselman's hair gray because of all these young kids, but like, you know, there's a lot of talent here and there's a lot of good stuff happening. Yeah, I agree. And so, you know, we'll we'll wrap up on that. You know, I appreciate, you know, David from Hoop Southbound coming on, you know, give him a check on the Twitter page and his podcast. Him and Maddie have some great content that they put out. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, actually, so we've got a great show. I know that this may not necessarily hype anybody up on the uh, Razorback side, but we do a lot of Razorback content. Obviously, we had that interview with Ben Brandon this week uh, in the Valley Invitational. We're going to do some more stuff with Arkansas stuff. I think me and you actually have something planned for the Oklahoma game uh, in Tulsa that we said we wanted to work out. Uh, and then also this week, just for fun, since we have the London game coming up on our next episode, we're going to have both folks from both an interview on the Michigan side and the Kentucky side of that game. So that's going to be a really high-level basketball game out there. Kentucky right now, eh, 
not looking as good, which is why I'm right now I'm inclined to say Arkansas might be the best team in the SEC. Um, so we're going to have a lot of good stuff like that coming out through the years, a lot of fun conversation, um, taking a very analytics uh, approach, uh, and a lot of stuff that, you know, look at just sometimes off the eye test when it comes to basketball. Uh, we love hoops. We're dedicated to hoops. So if you're a big basketball fan, which right now I imagine in Fayetteville, we got a lot of them. Um, please give us a follow. I was say, yeah, you heard it here. You know, go give them a follow. You know, they like I said, they put out good content and, you know, we're going to have more collaborations with them coming up later in this the year. After finishing up this episode, please make sure to support the Southern Boy Sports Podcast Network. The network includes Southern Boy Sports itself at SO underscore boy underscore sports on Twitter. The second to none podcast at SECOND underscore 2NUN on Twitter. And the Mid State Weekly Show at Mid underscore State underscore show on Twitter. All of these shows bring solid college and high school info from around the nation. Make sure to follow each show and give them all a five-star review. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Whoopig Weekly.